The readings today provide an occasion for us to talk about the spiritual work of mercy of praying for the living and the dead. But since we are going to talk about praying for the faithful departed in the Feast of All Souls that is coming up in a little over a week, I'd like to focus on prayer for the living. There is such a need today for all of us to grow in our confidence in the power of prayer, that our prayers are heard and that they actually make a difference in the world and in our lives. Even though the mystery of how God responds is often a source of perplexity for us, the scripture is absolutely clear that the prayer of a humble, poor, needy heart is pleasing and heard by God. As we see in the first reading of Sirach, the prayer of a lowly, humble heart pierces right through the clouds to heaven. And the book of Revelation reveals that these prayers of ours, together with all the saints, are continually offered to God by the angels. And they are symbolized as incense, continually rising before God. And that these prayers of the saints play a particular role in God's providential love in times of trial, testing, and tribulation. St. Paul was a firm believer in the power of prayer. And this is why in one of his letters to Timothy, he urged all Christians to continually offer prayers, petitions to God on behalf of all people. He did not say some people, which is what I like, but he said all people because sometimes you and I forget to pray, to pray in particular circumstances and for particular people. And why are we to pray for all people? Jesus urges us, in fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, to pray especially for those who mistreat us, who persecute us, those that we find hard to love. And why does Jesus say that we should do this? So that you and I can love like our Heavenly Father, that we can show mercy as God shows mercy, who continually pours out his love on the good and the bad alike, on the just and the unjust. 
And the reason why God continues to pour out this love and mercy on both the good and the bad, St. Paul reveals the reason in that same letter to Timothy when he urges the Christian community to even pray for those who are political leaders and in positions of authority. And we know in those times that there was a great conflict of interest between the values of the Christian community and those who were political leaders. That the very leaders for whom they were praying were the same leaders who put St. Paul, St. Peter, and many of the early Christians to death for their faith. And yet St. Paul said, pray for them. Because he said, this is pleasing to God and because God desires all people to be saved. Yes, even our political leaders. What are you and I to do with our anger and frustration in different political situations What are we to do? Well, St. Paul says, pray for them. To use the energy of our anger and frustration, especially when we feel helpless to do anything more, the response of the Christian community is to pray and to believe that those prayers truly indeed make a difference. It could have been the prayers of the Christian community that brought about the leader Constantine that ended the time of persecution in the 4th century. It's amazing the contrast and difference of how the person of faith responds and how the person without faith When St. Therese was 14 years old, a holy car dropped out of her missile during Mass. And the image on the card was of the pierced, wounded hands of Jesus. And what struck her was that the blood was falling to the ground unnoticed. And there began to stir in her heart a thirst for the spiritual good of souls, and especially to rescue those, as she put it, sinners from falling into hell. And so she decided that she would now come often in prayer before the crucified Lord and pray for the conversion of sinners. And the Lord gave her her first one, Because at that same time, news was spreading of the notorious criminal, Henry Pranzini, who had broken into the house of a wealthy family, took their lives, and stole their property. He was caught, sentenced to death. And so she decided to adopt him as her brother. And she went into spiritual battle for his soul 
because he continued to be impenitent and presumed claimed innocence. And so August 31st, 1887, he was executed. And it seemed to many that he would go to death unrepentant. And so Therese could not wait the next day. She opened the paper and she was overcome by emotion. Right before, seconds before he was put to death, he grabbed the crucifix from the priest beside him. And three times he kissed the wounds of Jesus. She had won her first soul for Christ. Why does God let you and I know about various things in the news, in the newspaper or whatever? I used to be nothing more than a curious, critical onlooker, reading the paper and just getting angry, frustrated, being disbelieving about what I read. Maybe God wants me to know about the things I hear or read about in the news so that that person or persons would have at least one person who is praying for them because God desires all people to be saved. He never gives up on anyone. And it's amazing what we do when we notice the faults and imperfections of other people. Why does God allow me to see the sins and the faults of my neighbor? Is it so like in the gospel, like the Pharisee, so that I can feel superior to them? So that I can exalt myself and look down upon them and to criticize and judge them? It's amazing how many times this can often lead to gossip, where we gossip about the faults of a neighbor. And here's a freebie for you. What can we do when we hear gossip? Well, here's one recommendation. Next time you and I are in a situation where a person is volunteering information that we don't need to hear, we can respond by saying, you know, based on what you just said, it sounds like this person could use our prayers. Why don't we pray for them? You know, it's worth doing just for the reaction. And of course, to do this, we would have to pray for courage because we are so concerned about being liked. So we would have to pray for courage to even do this. Why does God let me see the faults of my neighbor? My brother and I, we would get into so many fights. We knew each other's weaknesses and imperfections. And we would use these to tease one another, to cut each other down, to be mean. And then we try to get back at each other, try to keep the score even. And one day, it changed. My brother no longer teased me 
he no longer tried to get back at me. Because at the age of 13, my brother surrendered his whole life to Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget the moments we shared a bedroom together when it was dark and he thought I was asleep. He would quietly sneak out of his bed, get on his knees, and he would pray. Of course, he was praying for his own needs, but he was also praying for his brother. He was praying for his family. And God knows how those prayers began to unleash miracles within our family. And one of them was the conversion of his big brother four years later. No longer using my imperfections and faults to tease me and cut me down. But now he started to pray, to intercede for me. I envision a new approach to children within families. That whenever a child is struggling with a particular sin, and often it's similar to one that you and I might be struggling with, that we would say to this child, Honey, you know, Mommy and Daddy also, at times, struggle to tell the truth. Sometimes it's hard for us to be kind to each other. You know sometimes we fight. How about you and I go and kneel down together? Let's you and I ask Jesus to help us to be honest, to help us to be more kind to each other. And in order to help this lesson impress itself more deeply on you, yes, I'll still give you a consequence, but we need to pray for each other. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? And that's humble, too. Maybe God wants me to know the faults of someone in my family because he wants me to pray for them and not be hard on them and criticize them, and judge them. And this is the best way that you and I can respond to so many people and situations. It is one of the most beautiful acts of mercy that we can make on behalf of individuals and peoples, especially when we feel that we can do nothing else. My dear friends, one of the joys of heaven will be that we will finally get to see the fruit of all our prayers that we have offered in this life. We will get to see how God responded. Even though now, the answers of God are often hidden from us. Let us now bring to this altar the people in our life that need our prayers, including the people we are mad at, the people we are frustrated with, the situations that seem hopeless, the people close to us 
that we find hard to love. Let us offer now this Mass as a great act of mercy, asking God to pour his grace over us and over the whole world. Amen.